the Wi-Fi is free, you know, the crappy Wi-Fi is free. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that you have to qualify it. It's still crappy Wi-Fi. It doesn't. <laughs> well, say, is it, is, you know, I was, we, we always say, you know, free garbage is still garbage, but yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And we have multiple time returning guest, Chris, known as Chris in the Concierge Lounge on Twitter, who loves sailing concierge. And we're doing this episode uh, as the second part in our series around staterooms. Talk about all of the great benefits of sailing concierge on Disney Cruise Line. But let me start by saying welcome, Chris. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, we love having you on. Well, we have done your Disney background probably multiple times on the show, Chris, but maybe you could just quickly remind folks who might be new to listening to the show and have not waded through our back catalog. Uh, and for anyone doing that, please start at about episode seven or eight. Uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> when we get our groove. <laughs> um, but Chris, can you just remind folks sort of like how many sailings you've been on, um, you know, the ships you've been on, the kinds of itineraries you've done just to sort of set the stage for this show over your background with Disney Cruise Line? Yeah, so we started sailing Disney Cruise Line in 2000. That was our first sailing. And our last sailing was in this February. Now it's number 15. We've done mostly um, Bahamian and Caribbean sailings. We've also done out of New York, Alaska, and Mediterranean last year. And, and you've been on all four ships, right, Chris? Actually, we have never been on the Fantasy. That was our cruise number 16 that got canceled in April. We were supposed to have, you know, that was our Grand Slam, but complete another Grand Slam in 2020. And none of it happened, obviously. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny because that's the ship that Brian and I have been on the most. Yeah. I was just thinking of our castaway history and it's like fantasy, fantasy, wonder, fantasy, fantasy, dream. <laughs> so yeah, we love the fantasy. We're wonder, wonder, dream, a bunch of dream. And then we did like three magics in a row ending last summer. Well, let's dive into the topic. So, Chris, you are an avid fan of sailing concierge. Let me, before we dive into Disney concierge, I did want to ask, and I truly don't know the answer to this question. Have you sailed other cruise lines, Chris? And have you sailed in what would be their comparable concierge offering on other cruise lines? So I have sailed Norwegian, and that was our first cruise in 95. And I basically had an inside stateroom, so it was not concierge. I sailed Carnival twice. And the last time I had a, we had like a one bedroom suite, and it was kind of like their concierge. I, I, it wasn't that great. I remember a whole lot anything special about it, but we did that one time on Carnival. And I should say for our listeners, my parents are pretty big cruisers. And years ago, we took several cruises with them and we sailed on Celebrity primarily. And my parents like to get suites on Celebrity. So we've sailed in a few of their suites and are familiar with some of their amenities. So as we go through the show, we might interject with some compare and contrast around some of the amenities that you find on other cruise lines that you don't find on Disney from their, I'll call them concierge or suite level offerings. And some of the things that you'll find on frankly, you know, Disney that you may not find on the others. So, but so let's just dive into Disney concierge then, Chris. I think the first thing to talk about is just, let's just start right where everyone heads when their eyes see the <laughs> price, like the cost of it. It, it, it. There's a there's a premium. My sense is, but I'd like to get your sense. My sense is sometimes that can be easily 
double what the regular cruise fare is for like a veranda stateroom or a comparable stateroom category. But what's your sense of the cost of concierges against the other stateroom categories on board? Yeah, it's getting more expensive every year and it doubles a good rule of thumb sometimes. I remember back in 2010, 2013, it was like 25, 30% more, mm-hmm. sometimes 40% more, depending on the sailings, you know, what time of the year it was. We used to go out a lot of times in May, so the price jump wasn't huge. But now that my kids are older, we're having to do the Thanksgiving, the Christmas break, spring break type sailings, and it's usually double. Yeah. And those premium times are already expensive during school breaks. The cruise, you know, the cruise fares are already more expensive than when school's in session. And then, yeah, and then you're talking double bump for that. And my sense is on some of the cruises, like especially the Mediterranean cruises or the specialty cruises, the opening day price, you know, might be double. But Chris, yeah, I think we've exchanged some messages. Like I think on a Mediterranean cruise, there was one that was going for, I don't know, it was like twenty or $30,000 to sail in concierge. Oh, that's easy. I mean, Alaska and the Mediterranean cruises, you know, I think the family stateroom starts like at probably $24,000 for a family of four and then goes up from there. So yeah, the Mediterranean and Alaska ones, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And those, I remember we were looking at an Alaska cruise on Disney and gosh, the price just for, a, I don't know, I think we were looking at a veranda stateroom. Gosh, that I, it was it was kind of crazy. It gave me a little bit of sticker shock just for a regular veranda room. I was actually pricing the Alaska cruise for this July. I think it's the 19th. We're already booked on it. And we're talking about taking my in-laws. So I was looking last night and an inside stateroom, I think is $6,500 for this is for party of two. A porthole is close to $7,000 and a veranda, I think it's a little over $10,000. And then the first concierge room was available. I think it was a handicap. I think it's the only thing available. And it was like $26,000. Yeah, because I think when we were looking, maybe uh, this might have been like two years ago now, we were looking, I feel like it was in the neighborhood of like nine grand for two people or something around, or around you know, thereabouts for a veranda, which makes sense if it's around 10 now. Just to sort of frame this up as well, talking just about concierge, we'll, we'll talk about suites a little bit later in the show because Chris has some extensive experience with that. Let's just talk about the room categories for a second. So concierge is separate from suites is primarily, right, veranda, state, like family deluxe veranda staterooms. That's like sort of equivalent size and cabin configuration. Am I getting that right, Chris? Yeah. So it's basically the same size as the regular, you know, the biggest veranda stateroom there is. It just comes with the concierge perks. Right. Right. And and the the trimming of the room is nicer with wood paneling yeah, the and things like that. Yeah. The furnishings and the yeah and the and the amenities inside. Yeah, that sort of stuff are all obviously upscale. So you're not walking into a room that looks exactly like the veranda room. Yeah. So they have like a hardwood, a lot of hardwood in it that just makes a lot of creaking noises at night. First <laughs> 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 of problems, right? But sometimes they make so much noise at night, it drives you insane. But yeah. They, they used to have the different shampoos and stuff. Now they all have the same shampoos. But yeah, they and so and plus they'll give you um all the drinks you want in there and they restock it every day. Non-alcoholic drinks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sodas, waters, that sort of stuff. Well, And before we dive into those amenities, one second, I just want to f- also ask you, Chris, I know, I think it's on the magic and the wonder that they do have a two-bedroom category of stateroom. They, like, so across all the ships, they have family veranda, then they have a one-bedroom, as I understand it. I think on the classic ships, they had a two-bedroom offering that's not present on the dream class ships. And then they have sort of the full-on larger suite category, Royal Disney, Walt Disney Suites. So correct. On the classic ships, you'll have, you'll start with the Royal Suite would be the biggest, nicest room. The two bedroom is actually only a little bit square footage smaller. And then you have 
from there the one bedrooms and then the family. So and there's only there's only two of those two bedrooms and there's only two royal suites on a classic ship. And on the dream class ships, there's only two royal seats also, and no two bedrooms. T- tell me what the bathroom situation is like in these uh, concierge. Because <laughs> so we've talked a lot in in the regular rooms about the you know the split bathroom being one of the great things about sailing on Disney, and that n- not every room has it. But the split bathroom for people who don't know is you've got a toilet and a sink in one bathroom, and then you've got a shower and a sink in another bathroom. So if somebody's showering, another person can be getting ready in another in the other bathroom. So starting with the dream class ships on a royal suite, you'll have the master bathroom connected to the master bedroom, which is a decent size bathroom, um, not crazy, with a separate area in the bedroom, like a vanity to make a vanity. And then you'll have a second regular bathroom that just has a shower and a toilet. And then on the classic ships on the royal suite, the master bath is actually a little bit bigger and nicer. And then you'll also have a bathroom connected to the other bedroom and another bathroom. Like when you walk in the door, it's just it's just a toilet. It's not a shower. So the, the classic ships actually have nicer layouts, I think, on their you know, royal suite and suites. And then the one bedrooms on the dream class have a fairly nice size bathroom with a big soaking tub and a separate area kind of to there's the shower separated from the rest of the bathroom. So I can be in the shower. My wife can be getting ready or whatever. And it's very similar to that on the classic ships, too, on the one bedroom. And then the family stateroom has just the very same bathroom layout as the other rooms would have. It's interesting to me the difference, like what they did differently between those classic ships and the dream class ships in terms of the offerings, the stateroom offerings and layouts, because that two bedroom actually on the classic ships is kind of appealing to me. We'll get into at some point the justification around the cost or what the the, the value prop is for these, but that two bedroom actually has a pretty decent value prop to me, you know, because you have a little space for the, the kids like that. So, and just to set context, my understanding of the, the, the things I've seen about the two bedroom are, it's not, it's not like you have two queen size beds in two separate bedrooms. What you have is kind of a master bedroom with a queen size bed. And then there was what I'll call, I think they were describing it as like almost like a media room where there's like a TV and then I think a bunk bed and a couch that can turn into a bed. So it's, it's not like a full queen bed, like you see in the normal staterooms on on Disney Cruise Line. But that's an interesting room category to have, and they don't even have it on the Dream Class ships. And so it's interesting to me they didn't do that because it seems like a way to sell families on the concierge experience. Yeah, so when they, the Dream Class ships kind of took a step backwards, I don't know what their thinking was, but on the classic ships, the Royal Suite, you have the master bedroom, which now has a queen-size bed in it, another, I, I always call it the library room because they have like bookshelves in there with a queen bed that folds down out of the wall. You have a middle room with a couch that turns into a bed. Then you have the, the dining room, which has a table. And then you have another bedroom, which would have two double beds in it. So like it's perfect for my kids. And then on the dream class ships, the Royal Suite has the master bedroom with a queen size bed. And then a big open area that's all combined where it's like, you know, where the TV, the dining table is, and then two beds that pull down out of the wall, like a little kitchenette area. I mean, I'm saying it's four foot by four foot, but there is a full-size refrigerator. And so they kind of took a step backwards because, you know, the kids don't have their own room. And it's, it was kind of weird. But there's a beautiful deck on the Dream Class shifts that's just the most best spot on the ship. We sailed 14 nights on a celebrity cruise in the penthouse suite, which had, you know, this big, expansive, like, wrapping balcony off the back of the ship and a hot tub and 
tables and then a huge master suite with a master bedroom and a butler's pantry and a, a living room that's the size of like my great room in my own home with like a wraparound couch and TV, a piano in the room, as I recall. Yep. And a, a baby grand, a, marble, a dining room foyer. table. Yeah. Yeah. Dining room table, marble foyer. But it was still a single bedroom. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is what's interesting to me, Chris, is, is the, the point you're making, which is it was one bedroom. You, you, I think the couch turned into a bed, but may, maybe not. I don't know. But it was like two people as opposed to being able to fit more. We actually had to have like, we had like an adjoining, I think it's called a sky suite, which is the equivalent of kind of the family size bedroom, I think, on the family deluxe bedroom on Disney Cruise Line. Yeah. So maybe Disney's just copying the industry, but it does feel like the differentiator for them is they're for family. So why not have this like expansive suite that has two bedrooms for the one for the parents, one for the kids. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And then on the, on the dream ships, those two Royal suites, there's a one bedroom in between them and then the regular family stateroom next to them. And this was what what really gets really weird with Disney. So usually if we have the Royal suite on the dream class ship, we also have the connecting family stateroom next to it because it's usually cheaper or a couple dollars more only to book it that way. And you get a whole nother bathroom. Cause when you add guests three and four to the Royal suite, that fare is usually more than just getting the two people in the family stateroom next door. So yeah, I d- did discover it till the second time we did it. And I was like, Oh, if I would have known this. And the first time I booked it, it was actually thousand dollars cheaper to get the room next door for my kids to have their own room and their own bathroom. <laughs> That's so funny. On one, and, and the cruise that got canceled in April, Disney had messed up because when you it's, you can't book that online because they hold back the family stateroom next to the Royal Suite till someone books the Royal and you got to call and you got to get the right person or you got to explain to them, it's being held back, go check, please, blah, blah, blah. Well, we did that for the April cruise and somehow they booked us the one connected. To, we had the Roy and they booked the one connected to the wall and I discovered it a few months out. So then they gave us the one bedroom in between for the same price and I was super excited and that the first sailing of ours that got canceled. Oh. <laughs> and now that one bedroom has its own separate price because it has a bigger deck than the other one bedrooms. Well, let's. so we've talked about the staterooms and it sounds like for concierge, you're not setting aside again the suites. You're not, you're not getting much in terms of space. So what you are getting for the cost is an elevated set of Disney amenities and services that I would I would equ- I would equate to staying club level at a Disney resort to some extent. But Chris, you want to why don't we start with there is a shoreside component to these amenities, meaning before you even start cruising, you're going to start benefiting from having booked a concierge room. Do you want to talk folks through what some of that shoreside service instead of amenities looks like? Sure. So when you book a concierge room, final payments, 120 days, about 130 days, you will get an email and a phone call from Shoreside. And I literally actually just got the call about eight days ago because we have a cruise for April and my um, booking window opens tomorrow. So you'll get an email from them or the call and they'll you know tell you, introduce themselves if, they, if you haven't dealt with them before. Unfortunately, I know them all really well because I've talked to them so much in the last year while I've canceled cruises. So I actually have the email in front of me and some of the, you know, it'll tell you, you know, when your booking window is. And so at 120 days is when Platinum can book. What 125 days, you send an email at midnight with your requests and say, you know, I just happened to send this email last week and I said, hey, we want Palo dinner the first night, the third night, and the fifth night. We would like a load number cabana on Castaway Day and Nassau. We want to do this port adventure. So I type up all my, my wish list, I call it. You know, we want a massage, you know, late afternoon on this day. And you send that to them. 
and they will, you know, a couple of days reply back saying, we got your wish list. This time is usually available for the massage. Would this work for you? This you have to do once you get on board the ship and you say, th- you know, thank you, that'll work. And then magically on 120 days, you'll log on to your account and your stuff is usually all there. Usually, you're, usually it's not an issue, but every once in a while there is, and they'll, they'll adjust something and try to get you fit in somewhere. So I have a question about that. When you are sending that email, do you, if you don't send it at midnight that day, let's say you send it like the next day, are you not getting a cabana? Are, are the, you know, the other concierge rooms then beating you out for a cabana? So is it like first come, first serve within concierge, I guess? Correct. So that's why you want to, you know, I'm lucky I'm in California because I get to send it at, you know, nine minutes and 10 seconds, I hit send. Nine o'clock and 10 seconds, I hit send. But the people on the East Coast have to be up at midnight and hit send because if you send it before then, you go to the back of the pile. And so I, you know, and people are getting more and more aware of this. And so it's, it's sometimes a little harder, but, and now that they've added more concierge rooms to the classic ships, it's sometimes it gets harder. But if you send it at midnight, you usually get, a cabana. And that's that's probably the only thing that we're talking about that you might not get as even as concierge unless you send it at midnight, right? Everything else you're probably going to be able to get. I guess there's a possibility you might not get your first preference for when you get your Apollo dinner or some or brunch or something like that. But I but I'm thinking there's quite a few spots for, you know, Apollo brunch and dinner and Remy brunch and dinner. And so it's probably not that hard as long as you're ahead of those platinum folks. Correct. The the, the, the dinners are no problem. There's a few other things you guys talked about it on one of your shows about the BR chef on the fantasy. Because I believe it's limited to six or eight people. I don't remember now. But yeah, so that we had that book for the April cruise that got canceled and it was all booked up immediately. I know on some of the European sailings there's some of those port excursions that are limited number of people or something, sometimes those fill up. And so you get kind of ahead of those. But in general, everything else is, you know, it, it's taking the, they're making it easy for you because they're doing all the legwork for you. Right. That's a good point. We've talked about how I would like to do Be Our Chef, but that's never going to happen unless we're <laughs> sailing concierge because you're right. If there's only six or eight spots, that's easily taken by uh, just a couple of rooms in concierge, frankly. Correct. And another thing also, they'll um, arrange travel for you. So if you need to get picked up at the airport and that kind of stuff, they'll take care of all the legwork for you. There's, you know, they'll you just tell them what you need done and they do it for you. So, so you get to email in your preferences. I've always, or I've heard sort of conflicting information because I think the verbiage that you hear from Disney is basically concierge gets to book at the same time as platinum. But my sense is in operation, you're actually, your requests are all loaded in ahead of platinum and then they come in and take what's left. Is that, is that your sense as well? Correct. I believe that's how it works because they have everything ready to go. And so the booking window opens, all the concierge stuff gets fed into the system. I would assume they're doing it like a couple minutes before even. I have no idea, but concierge gets the first pick. And I, and I don't feel bad for that when you're paying such a premium. What about, do they offer any sort of a, other kinds of, you know, trip planning assistance for you? Like, I, I don't know, like if you wanted to book a Walt Disney World vacation add on to your cruise, are you on your own there or would Shoreside Concierge actually step in to help you? Do you know? They, they won't help you with the, you know, the Disney World part of it, but they'll take care of all the transportation for you. And so we, the first, I think in 2010, the first time I actually had them do that, they set everything up and we met this really nice lady who, who works for Mirrors Transportation who Disney uses. And I just use her all the time now. So I just book her directly. But, but I've had them set up like when we went out of New York, 
They took care of getting the hotel for me in Times Square. We wanted to go see Frozen on Broadway. They got our tickets. You know, I probably could have saved a few dollars find the tickets myself. But I was able to talk to the person on the phone who's been in the theater and said, we offer these seats, we offer these seats, and these seats. The most expensive ones aren't necessarily better. I would get these seats. And so you get help that way. So we went to the New York cruise. There's one gentleman that works there from New York. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, so he really, he spent like an hour on the phone one day. I'm saying, you know, my son's 13, my daughter's 16. We want to do this. And he kind of helped lay out my, our days ahead of time for us, you know, telling him what times to go to different places. It was really great because he knew what to expect. Yeah, that's great. It's kind of like having an additional, like a travel agent in a sense. Correct. I mean, they have, you know, for a lot of port excursions, like in Europe, I'll, I have questions about different ones. And they said, well, we, I haven't done this one, but let me contact so-and-so in our office because I know she did it a couple of years ago. And they also get, from all the port excursions, they get like from the excursion companies, like a better, you know, the Disney website tells you what to expect or whatever. They have multiple pages of, what, you know, what to expect, what can happen and stuff like that. So they have a lot more information. I found that when we went to Europe last year, we had never been to Europe, didn't know anything. And they really, you know, helped me make our decisions. You know, I kind of said, we're thinking of this or this. And they gave me more information on it. I was able to go back to my wife and kids and say, you know, they said this. So, you know, let's do this. And really helped a lot. Well, let's, let's fast forward. That's the pre-cruise. And my sense is, you know, you can kind of interact with Shoreside as you go. If you have special requests or the things that you need to, to make, or you want to switch your dining rotation or things like that. Like or you would do allergies. that all through, right. You do that all through email with Shoreside or a phone call with Shoreside. Is, is that right, Chris? Yeah. So, and one thing we always do is I will change our dining rotation. Because sometimes if we're going with the kids and we thought, okay, we want to, the first night we want to be at this restaurant. So like last two years, we've been on the ship on Thanksgiving. So last year we were on the Dream. So we wanted to be in, I think, Royal Palace for Thanksgiving. And the year before we were on the Magic, we wanted to be in Rapunzel's for Thanksgiving. So I had them change our dining rotation. So we ended up on those restaurants on those days. We do the same. That's funny. You can put in a request just through the regular booking to have a particular dining rotation, even if you're not concierge. They don't guarantee it. But we've had it every time we've requested, we've gotten the rotation that we wanted. And typically what we're usually asking for is, you know, we want to be at animators the extra night, right? Like, so if we've got a seven night cruise, which means we're going to be in one restaurant twice. And so we're one restaurant three times, sorry. And so we're asking to have three nights in animators, even though Brian and I aren't necessarily particular about what the order is. Exactly. We did that. We had a five-night cruise and we wanted to be in Tiano's twice. We made sure we got the rotation that did that. And last year in Europe, it was funny because I pressed a specific uh, rotation. I don't remember what the reason was. But when I did that, we also had an Adventures by Disney add-on before the ship with like, I think there was 36 people. I changed all their dining rotation too because they wanted to keep all those people on the same rotation. And me changing it changed everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> None of them realized it. I, I didn't realize it until we sat down the first night and I realized, oh, we're all in the same dining room and I changed our rotation. <laughs> That's really <laughs> funny that they did that. And they actually kept those people. Our tables were all pretty close to each other, like, like next to each other. So it's kind of nice. So it's kind of extended the, you know, we got to know these people for four days and then we're on the ship. We're all, you know, sitting close to them. We actually have some really good friends now that we met on the Adventures by Disney that we just pushed our tables together. We usually have a table to ourselves. We pushed our table together every night and ate dinner with them every night. It was great. Well, let's fast forward to embarkation. Let's uh, so you're at the cruise terminal, Chris. And, you know, so embarkation day. You're sailing concierge. You're going to get a different experience than everybody else, right? What's that What's that experience going to be like if you're sailing concierge? 
So as soon as you walk in the terminal, will be a separate check-in line for concierge. There's usually, also platinum is the same line. And there's usually, you know, not too many people in it. There's usually not a wait. So you'll go check in normal like everybody else. And then like Port Canaveral has that second that area where you go. It's kind of the glassed off area. And actually every port I've been out of has kind of a special area for concierge. It's usually a different room with folding chairs in it. Nothing too exciting. Yeah, and we've we've actually so we had a sailing. I think our first sailing on Disney Cruise Line, we were spoiled because we were sailing with a couple of Platinum members, and so we got to do Platinum check in. We got a Cabana Castaway Key. We got all kinds of you know dining reservations that we wanted, and we've uh, ever since just sort of been running toward our Platinum status on Disney Cruise Line. I think we're averaging three cruises a year to try and get there. So yeah, that check in process is smooth. It's really smooth and really nice. And you'll also get boarding group one with that. So they'll do the family of the day they pick, and then you get to go. Well, my sense is concierge actually gets to go in even ahead of actual boarding group one, right? It's like family of the day, concierge, then boarding group one. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So now you guys get on the ship, and where are you heading? All of the rest of us sort of steerage passengers are heading toward cabanas, probably. (laughs) Where are you heading? Or to adjust reservation. Yeah, that's true. Or to take care of some onboard things. But Chris, my sense is you're heading to one place each time. And what is that place? So as soon as you get on board, and it's changed the last few years now because they've added an extra perk. It used to be you get on board. There's usually one of the concierge hosts kind of waiting for the concierge families to come on board. And they would take you to the lounge where they have light lunch, drinks, and they would go over your itinerary, you know, what you port excursions you have. But in the last few years, they've actually added a sit-down lunch now, so you can go either or. We usually go get on and go to the lounge because they have my favorite, like, lunch food ever on the ship. These little sandwiches are only on Embarkation Day. And so we usually go there, go over our stuff. Our room is usually ready by then, put our backpacks in there, and then we'll go to the sit-down lunch. Oh, nice. So you get like a double lunch. You get like a yeah, little snack so we, and then a lunch. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's a nice relaxing lunch. You kind of, depends what ship you're on, you can see all the chaos going outside the, the restaurant. We're just in there relaxing and having a nice lunch. Mm-hmm. And the and the sit-down restaurant, I, we were talking to a, a different guest on our previous episode talking about staterooms. And she was saying that the it's her impression is that it, it just got a little too crazy in the concierge lounge. And so that's why they started doing this sit-down lunch. But she told us that the sit-down lunch is actually separate from, it's in a different restaurant than where everybody else can go for a sit-down lunch. Because if you... For people who haven't been on a cruise yet, when you get on board, most people go to cabanas, but there is always an option if you're not sailing concierge to do a sit-down lunch in one of the three rotating restaurants. But it sounds like, Chris, there's a the concierge folks are actually in a, a separate restaurant and perhaps even, you know, quieter, more intimate setting. Correct. On the classic ships, it's Tiana's or Rapunzel's. On the Dreamcast ships, it's whatever restaurant's in the atrium. The, the last cruise I was on, we were in Tiana's and there was maybe six families in there having lunch and it kind of, you know, some will be leaving and another family will come in. It's never crowded. So it's just, yeah, very low key, very relaxing. It's kind of nice. You get to put down your stuff in your room. So your room's already ready for you when you get on pretty much. Is that that right? Yeah. So the concierge rooms, they try to have ready by 12 o'clock usually. And sometimes I've had it, we've gotten on the ship at 11 and I've been in a room at 11.15 before. So on the on the classic ships, you got to go you go underneath the rope. They block off the hallway, or whatever. Sometimes someone asks you where you're going. Say, "Oh, we have this suite," and they will say, "Okay." And then on the Dream Class ships, since all those rooms are together, you just walk outside the lounge and go to your room. 
Well, and, and my sense is when you get to the concierge lounge or when you get on board, the concierge host is giving you, here's the itinerary that you wanted, right? Here's here's everything that you've got planned. Is there anything you want changed? Anything you didn't get booked that you want to book? And you're dealing with them as opposed to the rest of us who are running all over the place to the spa or some you know other location to get dining reservations changed or Port Adventures desk. Is that, I mean, the, that host just takes care of everything for you while you're on board. Correct. So as soon as you walk in, they might ask you what your name is, or I found out they um, use your picture from check-in. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a story behind this because we were in Europe last year in late June. We took a family picture. We had all matching shirts. I think they were green. Less than 30 days later, we're in Alaska and they take our picture. The, the, the lady goes to take our picture and goes, oh, you have a good picture here from, oh, you're on the ship last month. Well, let's use this picture. But we had red shirts on. We went to the lounge and it was on the Wonder, which we had not been on in, in quite a few years. So none of the concierge hosts, we didn't know any of them. So we're sitting in there and I, I see them looking at us. And I was like, I corner my eye, I'm like, why do they keep looking at us? And then one of them walked by and they said like, hello to us and like went back to the desk. And finally, one of them came over and said, hello, you know, the Braga party, yes. And she had our folder. So she went over the, all our stuff. We've changed a few things, whatever. And you know, we took everything. So then we were getting ready to leave. We were walking out the door. And the guy that's sitting at the desk, the concierge host there, goes, I have to ask you guys a question. He goes, how did you guys change your shirts from the time you checked in? <laughs> and I start laughing. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you guys. And he turns his computer monitor. And they have, you know, on a on a 21-inch monitor, it's like a one-by-one one square, just tiny little picture of us <laughs> with different color shirts on. <laughs> I was like, no, they used our picture from last month. He's like, oh, they usually don't do that. They want to take a new picture, but it's been less than 30 days. <laughs> They're like, they still look the same. It's not like it was a year but ago, they right? They were so confused. <laughs> and then afterward, I was like, why do they keep walking by and looking at us? <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Well, and, and I mean, just, just to put a point on it, my sense is, you never have to interact with the guest services desk downstairs. That concierge is just, that is your guest services for the entire time you're on the cruise. Correct. If you go to guest services, they get upset at you. They're like, why would you go there and we'll take care of this for you? And so while they're, while they're reviewing your folder, they'll have a representative from Powell and Remy there, a spa representative there, and they'll call that person over if you have a question about the menu or if you want a different procedure in the spa, and they'll have that person tell you directly or, or what can be done and that kind of stuff. So it's really hands-on. Now, is that, I know we're going to talk about suites a little bit more in depth in a, in a few minutes here, but is that any different, let me ask, is that any different when you're sailing in kind of a suite category as opposed to just the regular concierge, for lack of a better term? And, and the reason I ask is the times that we have sailed in those higher end kind of suites, the other cruise lines seem to assign you like a butler, right? Who will do everything from getting your luggage put into your room They'll unpack for you if you want. They are your guest services for the most part. If you've got a problem, you ring your butler. And frankly, you can ring them at any time during the day and they will come and get you whatever you need. And so I'm wondering, is there any sort of higher end treatment that you get when you're sailing in those other suites? Not necessarily, I know there's some extra amenities, but any higher end treatment from the concierge host that you get from sailing in those suites? So the only thing that has any real differences is when you have the Royal Suite and you get a couple extra perks, you can get Powell or Remy in your room. And so the waiter will wait outside your room to change your courses out. You get they're free. The Wi-Fi is free. You know, the crappy Wi-Fi is free. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that you have to qualify it. It's still crappy Wi-Fi. It doesn't. <laughs> is it, is, you know, I was, we, we always say, you know, free garbage is still garbage, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the only, and then on different sailings, the Royal Suite will have a couple of different little perks. In Alaska, we had a excursion booked for the glacier day to get on a separate little boat to get closer to the glacier. And the 
you know, when we're in the lounge at first day, he goes, I see you have the Glacier Explorer booked. We're offering to share in the Royal Suite to take you out. I think it was deck. It was a, it was a crew deck area. Actually, it was the captain's deck. And they t- took us out there and they had, you know, they had the two Royal Suites and the two, two bedrooms got to be out there during the glacier time. And they had, you know, drinks for us out there, food. They brought Mickey and Minnie out there. And their thing was, this is the only time you get to take a picture with Alaska, Mickey and Minnie together. They're not separate. They, for different sailing, to do different little perks for the high, you know, for the two bedroom or the Royal Suite. But nothing, no butler, no, nothing that crazy. All right. So we talked about embarkation. We we touched on the lounge, Chris, but let's back up for a second. And let me just ask, like, can you give folks like many of our listeners will have never even seen the inside of the concierge lounge. What is it? What is in there? What kinds of things do they do in the lounge? You know, it seems like it's a big draw to have access to that lounge. And so what is it? And what what what's the draw to it? To be clear, we've peeked in the window. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Through the frosted glass. Yes, our nose prints are still on the window. Someplace, yeah. so, so let me start with the Dreamcast ships because they're, they're loun- the lounges on the Dreamcast ships are basically they're the same with each other. So they're in the middle of the room. So there's no windows to the outside of the ship. It's just a, a square room that as soon as you walk in, there's a host that always has a desk there that you go to for anything. You know, got to change from reservation, you want to do something, they will take care of it for you. And then in the back, there's where they put the food. They change the food, out, I think, four times a day. So there is a period between like 2 and 3.30 where there's no food or something. And you know, later time, they have like board games in there for kids, a TV in there, with cartoons on for kids, and just some seating. It's on the, on the Dreamcast ship, it's nothing spectacular. Do you have the cocktail hours? So before each dinner seating, they'll have a cocktail hour where the drinks are included. But then the big difference on the magic and the wonder. The magic, the lounge, it looks off to the adult pool with all those glass windows. And so it's a, it's a little smaller lounge, but it has a beautiful view. Then the wonder takes it to a whole new level. It has It's in the same area where it has those windows that look out into the adult pool. But then it has a whole area on the left that has another seating, probably another 10, 12 tables over there with you know, either two chairs or four chairs. And then it has to the, to the right, the ports of the, the starboard side, it would have another big seating area and then they have stairs that go upstairs and there's a whole big side area up there that's just incredible where the magic it's outside area be on the starboard side down below on the down below so the, the wonder has the biggest lounge of any of them and in the alaska sailings that upstairs viewing area that you know the deck chairs and stuff up there is just a great place to be i've heard fantastic things about the coffee maker <laughs> that's right i mean do they offer you know i'll just i'll ask probably what are dumb questions, but they, they have coffee. It sounds like they have a cocktail hour. Do they offer things for breakfast, lunch, dinner? Can you go in there and get a drink anytime you want? Like, you know, those sorts of things. So, yes, yeah, so you can get drinks at different times of the day. If they have just, they'll have, they'll, they'll let you know when you're real steel. They'll say we're having a cocktail hour at this time. They're, they always have one two hours before each seating. And then the coffee maker is available 24, not 24 7. The lounge does close at 10 30. And so it's a coffee maker, cappuccino maker, um, hot chocolate. It, it'll make everything. The Royal Suites also have a smaller version of the same coffee maker, pretty much make all the same stuff. So, you know, in the morning, they'll have, you can get cereal, you can get pastries, you can get fruit. At lunchtime, they have little sandwiches. There's, there's always desserts at all three times. And then at dinner time, they'll have, you know, little plates of Different types of, you know, chicken or some kind of beef and they'll have, you know, some little bread rolls. So you can fill up in there if you want to. 
and, and I've heard that they sometimes have the characters come into the lounge. Has, is, is that right? So correct. They'll have, they'll, they'll pick one day and they'll put a flyer in your room or tell you when you walk in there also that it's usually on castaway day, which I don't know why. And it's like at four 30. So sometimes we've missed it because we're just getting back, but they'll have the outside area for all the lounges. I, I forgot to mention one, the dream class, the dream class has a stairway. You can go up and it has an outside area. That's in, in behind that frosted glass. And so wherever the outside area is, they'll have the character there. And it's usually Goofy or somebody. And they'll be there as long as they need to be there. And so you get all the pictures you want. Oh, I love that. This concierge lounge sounds actually really dangerous for me because as Brian knows, like I've I've never met like free food that I <laughs> that I can just pass by. So like just having these little like sandwiches and hors d'oeuvres would be probably quite deadly on my waistline. <laughs> well, it, it sounds a lot like with the time we stayed at Beach Club, club level, right? I mean, you yes. could go up there and grab breakfast, you go up there and grab snacks, you know, they had drinks like, and they had the, the club level hosts up there. And, and frankly, the club level hosts, when we checked in, right, they did the check-in process with us. They handed us a business card that said, have any problems? Call us. Don't talk to anyone else. Right? Yeah, and, no, but at least, uh, you know, when we're at the uh, resort, we're at the parks. And so I'm not near that club room all day long, right? So we're is on this ship. I'm too close to it. Yeah. Which sort of, well, let me ask one other question before I get to what I was just going to say. So Chris, I'm curious, Sailing Concierge, I know on the fantasy, there's like a special sun deck off the lounge. Is that true across all the ships? And my sense is there's no like special pool for Concierge. It's just maybe a sun deck. Is that right? Correct. That's what I was talking about. On the, on the Dream Class ships, it's upstairs right above it. And it's behind that frosted glass. And I believe there's a hot tub now. There's like misters, and on the on the dream, I've literally spent hours up there, and it's just me and my wife. It's like no one ever even goes up there. And on the magic, it's on the same level as the uh, it'd be on deck ten, and it's right next to the lounge behind some frosted glass. And then in the wonder, it's on deck eleven. And it's a huge area, and there's, and there's no hot tubs on the, the classic ships. It's just the fantasy and the dream have the. Hot I've tub. always wondered because on the fantasy, I look at that area and I'm like, God, that looks like like it'd be get really hot in the sun because it's all it's all glassed off it gets super hot it can, and they, when they add the mistress it was nice the mistress weren't there originally it's interesting they don't have like a special pool area i'm sort of happy they don't <laughs> because we don't sail concierge but it's interesting they don't give you kind of a, a pool area because like in the norwegian cruise line i think for the haven there might be a special pool for haven guests so that you have like an area where you can go swimming that the rest of the, the folks can't come now the haven i think is potentially larger than the concierge area on disney i don't know that for sure but yeah i mean i wish i'd have this a little dipping pool or something to cool off i'm hoping the wish has something all these great amenities chris i'll tell you the thing that has always steered me away from concierge is we love all the stuff that's going on around the ship you know the funnel vision character meets in the lobbies do, do you find that you use the like what i'll call just regular public amenities on board the cruise line less because you're sailing concierge that you're having a, a different experience than a regular cruise guest in that way Yes. I mean, like if I'm going to go, if I want to lay out in a lounge chair, I'll go in the concierge sun deck and do it. So that's one spot where you lose the kind of atmosphere. And like the sailway parties, we're usually in the concierge deck area. I mean, on the wonder, you get to see the whole pool area of the ship. So it's kind of neat, but we're kind of usually over there. Well, and it sounds like even for you, like dining is different. I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we wanted Palo on these three nights. We usually try to fit Palo in once for dinner, once for breakfast, but we, you know, enjoy the rotational dining aspect. It sounds like you may not be eating nearly as much in the rotational dining. Is that, is that right? Yeah. We, on our last cruise, it was just my wife and I on a four night and we ate 
in Rapunzel's the one night and then Paolo the other nights. When we go with the kids, if it's a four or five night cruise, we usually eat with the kids the first night and the last night or something. Then they might go to the rotational dining the other nights or one night they'll skip it and just get pizza or something. But yeah, we see a lot less of the rotational restaurants. I guess, how did how did you arrive there? Because so much for us, and this is just a legitimate question, Chris, so much for us of a Disney cruise is all the stuff going on around the ship. But it sounds like for you, you really lasered in on a few experiences that you really want to have. Is that is that what drives you to concierge or what, what really sells it for you? I think that's part of it. We enjoy the quietness of the dinner at Palo. It just, over the years, you know, when, when it was a four-night cruise, we would go maybe one night. You know, maybe when I discovered concierge would go more than one night, we started going two nights. But, you know, when the kid, as the kids got older, they wanted to do different stuff anyway sometimes. It's like my son's like, hey, we're going to go to the edge at this time. You know, during dinner. I'm like, that's fine. Me and your mom are going to dinner and see what your sister wants to do. Kind of just landed there. Well, and I'll say, I mean, uh, to be fair, the times that we've sailed, again, in kind of an equivalent category on these other cruise lines, you know, I think on one of the cruises, they had a a specialty kind of French style restaurant. And we were in there so much that that <laughs> that cruise that toward the end, the maitre d' or whatever his title was said like, look, you've like pretty much tasted through our entire menus. Is there something that we can make for you <laughs> that the chef can make for you for dinner tomorrow night? And Paolo has offered to do that for us too. It's funny. Well, Chris, what are we missing about concierge that we haven't talked about? We'll get we'll get to disembarkation in a second. Um, what else draws you to concierge? It, it sounds like a lot of great amenities, a higher level of service, but is there anything that we haven't touched on that really stands out in your mind as a selling point for you for concierge? No, I think we've kind of covered it all. I mean, they just go above and beyond to like, I, I drink Red Bull and obviously Disney's Coca-Cola products. So they have Monster. So I will ask Shoreside, can you see if they can get some sugar-free Red Bull for me? And so that's one thing. They'll put that in my room for me. And if there's some kind of meal you want, like a, I was joking on one of the cruises, I love these little sandwiches. You know, you only have them on the first day. And she goes, well, we can get them for you any day you want. How many you want? And like two hours later, we had two sandwiches in our refrigerator in the room. <laughs> so within reason, they will try to do whatever they can to, you know, make you feel at home and, and take care of you. Let's skip over to suites for a second and then we'll get to disembarkation because I know there's a little bit of an extra benefit at disembarkation time. But um, let's skip over to suites for a second. We've touched on this briefly. You've got the Royal Suite category, Royal Disney, Walt Disney Suites. You've got the one and two bedrooms uh, on board the various ships. What's extra special about those suites? I think you've hit on a few things, but what is extra special about sailing in those suites? So anything one bedroom and above, obviously you have a lot more room. You have a little bigger balcony, but you also have the advantage of getting the, the breakfast from the sit-down restaurants delivered to your room. So which was really awesome when we were in Europe because you have such long days and you know you got to get going. And so it's like, what do you want for put your breakfast order the night before? And you have eggs, pancakes, bacon, whatever you want that you can get the sit-down restaurant and it's brought to your room. And then with the Royal Suite, in a two-bedroom, you can get Paolo and Remy delivered to your room, which is a, just an incredible experience. It sounds like you've had Paolo in your room. Multiple, I'm curious, so how is that experience different than eating in the restaurant, if at all? Is it? Is it? Is it? Um, and I'm also curious, have you had Remy delivered to your room? <laughs> so we've never had Remy. I'm not a fan of French food, so we've never had Remy delivered. And let me take it back a notch. So we've had Paolo delivered to the room. I've actually never eaten it. It's usually for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> my kids have grown up going to a nice restaurants since they were my daughter was a week old we you know the restaurant we've been going to for 10 years couldn't wait to see our baby so we've been going to, you know they've been going to restaurants and eating more exotic type food since they were little kids so they appreciate it so usually one night on a cruise i'll say okay we'll pick you guys pick the night and you guys can get power delivered to the room but mom and i are going to eat at the restaurant and so i've had a bite of theirs while my wife's getting ready or something and the quality is exactly the same they 
And I even told them, I'm like, you don't have to bring it in separate times. Just bring the kids starters and bring the dinners all at the same time. That's fine. Don't make all these special trips. They'll bring the starters and then they're waiting for you to finish that so they can take those plates and go back and get the other stuff. And I just try to make it easy for them. I'm like, this is definitely be this sophisticated for them. Just bring the food and they'll be happy. Well, that's certainly a way around the age limit for Palo. I love it. Yeah. I love it as a Disney, Disney Cruise Line hack for kids to be able to experience Palo. And I'm curious, even like on something like Alaska, are they bringing you binoculars, blankets to sit out on the deck, hot chocolate? Like, is it that kind of a level of service? They'll, yeah, they will bring you, if you need that, they'll bring that to you. And like I said, we were in Alaska and we got them on that separate deck. They had hot chocolate out there. They had blankets out there. You know, they had other you know, mixed drinks, whatever you wanted out there. So yeah, they kind of go a step above. And they had a, you know, a photographer out there the whole time taking pictures for us. Well, let's talk about disembarkation then. And then I've just got sort of two more general follow-up questions for you. But let's talk about disembarkation. My sense is concierge gets a little bit better experience disembarking the cruise ship. Is that right? And what does it look like? Correct. So they will, you know, the concierge have a magic key for the elevator, which overrides it. So they take over one of the elevators. And so you go up to the lounge, wherever ship you're on. And as soon as the ship is cleared through customs, they'll say, okay. And they'll usually tell people ahead of time. It's like, okay, you have an earlier flight. You can, we'll get you. And so they'll take us, you know, get your luggage in the elevator, put you in it and send you down. And one of the other hosts will be down below and he'll take you to a separate disembarked line. And you kind of just cut ahead of everybody. So like when we were in New York, we had an earlier than we should have flight, but I knew we'd probably be okay. We were literally off the ship at 7.20 and in a taxi. We were actually literally the first person going through the customs person that was helping us. We were the first customers of the day. I have learned to my family and my wife's embarrassment, if you spend too much on the ship, they will sometimes escort you directly to customs. (laughs) <laughs> you're allowed what eight hundred dollars a person or something and i went to artwork one time and so artwork's exempt but they don't know what you bought so we had you know we had a cabana we had all these dinners we had a spa i bought this artwork and so they scanned our key of the world card and like it freezes a computer and it's like you need to wait here and if someone comes and escorts you directly to customs <laughs> well that's a good tip try to stay below the 800 hundred dollar minimum then uh <laughs> Well, Chris, a couple of general questions for you. The first is just, you know, in your estimation, who is sailing concierge for? What's the profile of cruiser that you would say you should really give concierge a shot? And are families with young kids in that profile or not? What do you think? So it's a lot of families with young kids. It's it's a lot of grandparents with the kids and the grandkids, I've noticed. Like when, when it's just my wife and I, it's we're usually the only couple without kids and concierge on that sailing. It's just, that's, that's kind of where you don't see as many people, just a couple. But there's a lot of families and then a lot of, this is made, it's probably 50-50 between grandparents, kids, grandkids, or just, you know, parents and the kids. All right. The other general question, Chris, I had for you is a little bit of just, you know, prognostication or your quote unquote wish list. And I will capitalize the wish in that sentence, because what do you want to see out of concierge on board the wish? I would love to see, we've talked about before, its own pool. You know, it doesn't have to be a very big pool, but something. And then I would like to see um, more food options for concierge instead of just the light hors d'oeuvres, maybe some hamburgers and sandwiches or something during the day and at dinner, maybe a couple of different pasta dishes or something. Something like like quick service. At, I'm thinking like at the Gasparilla Grill at Grand Floyd. Now you can get the pasta made with different stuff in it. Just something not complex, but something like that. So if the kids just want to do that, there's an option there. I would love to see you know more food options. 
I'm curious, what about room differentiation? I've always thought it was odd that basically what they did is, you know, I guess to your point earlier in the show, they've slapped a wood veneer over the metal walls that you'd normally see in a family deluxe stateroom. I feel like in other cruise lines, what they're offering is the better rooms with the differentiation, you know, lofted suites, bigger bathrooms, like that sort of stuff. That's when you get into their suite level offering. Is that something you'd like to see? Would you like to see them differentiate the rooms a little bit more than they have been? Yeah, I, I wish like the family, you know, the family that the entry level concierge room should be a bigger room and you know differently designed than the regular balcony room that you can get next. Especially on the Magic class, you might have a concierge family room and next door is just the regular, you know. And so this person's paying double, and they're not, you know, the rooms are about the same. So I like to see, I like to see more. I've seen those lofts and all that stuff, and that's the, awesome. I wish they would do stuff like that. Well. Chris, we have reached that point in the show where we are going to do our rapid fire round. And for our guests, I'm going to do the rapid fire round today because Sam had to step away for a personal appointment. So I'm going to do the rapid fire round. Now, Chris, this will be your third rapid fire round. So I've had to get pretty creative with our rapid fire. So maybe we'll have to wait to have you back on until after the wish is sailing. So we can ask you some of your favorites about that. But for rapid fire today, as you recall, the rules are there are no rules for rapid fire. So some of these may be repeats of questions that we've asked before. But since uh, it's been a little while since we've had you on. Perhaps your answers have changed or uh, for new listeners, you can hear some of Chris's old favorites. But let's just dive right in. I have kind of a concierge ceiling focused rapid fire. But the first question out of the gate is going to be, Chris, remind us, what is your favorite Disney Cruise Line ship? It is now the magic. It might have changed since last time, but it's magic. And what and what makes it your favorite? I think we love Rapunzel's, and I just like the classic ships. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tie between the magic and the and the wonder, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the magic right now. What about what's your favorite itinerary that you've sailed, Chris? New York. It wasn't an exciting itinerary. I mean, it just it was a seven night. We left New York, went to Castaway, and went to Disney World. So it was two days at sea, you know, two days excursions and two days at sea. And going into it, I was worried about all those sea days. And it turned out to be, I think, the family's favorite sailing of all time. All right. Let's focus on some concierge questions for you. What is your favorite concierge room type, Chris? The Royal Suite. I mean, there's this... (laughs) Once you've stayed there, it's hard to go back. So the the Royal Suite, obviously, is this. there's nothing better than that. But the one bedrooms are really nice also. We've stayed in them plenty of times. So the Royal Suite or the one bedroom, I have no problem staying in either of those. And do you have a, is there a difference between Royal Disney and Walto Disney or are they just basically mirror images of each other on the ships? They're mirror images. So we usually stay starboard. So that puts us in the Roy. Of the concierge offerings across the different ships and those Royal suites, do you have a favorite as between, I'll just say dream class and magic class? I would say the magic class, the, the Royal suite and the magic class just set up better. And I guess my favorite ship must be the wonder because actually now that they redid the suite in it, it is just a step above. What's your favorite amenity out of concierge or your favorite service offering? I, I like to, be able to go to the lounge and just get a snack. And it's usually, you know, you go, you go to Cabanas, it's, it's always a zoo. You go in the lounge and usually there's, you're by yourself picking your food and not someone waiting on you so you can take your time. And it's just a lot quieter and low key. What has been your best shoreside concierge experience? So when we were preparing for our New York trip, like I said before, I think I spoke to the gym on the phone for close to an hour and he just went down everything for us, explained everything, you know, told me every all the highlights in the city and just really took care of everything. So that was probably one of the best ones. And what about your onboard concierge experience? Did you have, an, have you had an experience with onboard concierge that really stood out for you? 
I mean, nothing that really stands out. They're always just very friendly. They just, you know, a lot of times you're in the lounge and there might be two or three people in there. So they'll come over and they'll talk to you 15, 20 minutes, you know, where are you from? Or if one you've known, like, oh, how's everything going at home? Asking about, you know, stuff they know about our lives and, you know, you know stuff like that. What is your bucket list cruise? Uh, and I'll understand if the answer is hashtag any cruise at this point. In time, <laughs> but what is your bucket list cruise that you've, you, you're looking to take? Obviously, any cruise, but I would love to do a westbound Panama Canal. But being that I'm a farmer, it's really hard for me to get away for, you know, 16, 17 days by the time you fly into all that stuff. So I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it, but that's my bucket list cruise. So what's what's up next for you, Chris? Like what? Um, I know you've got several cruises booked and overlapping cruises in case things get canceled. But is there a cruise you're most looking forward to in the next, I don't know, the next year to 18 months? We have a double dip in November that's rescheduled from this year. My wife and I, it's an anniversary trip. So I'm really looking forward to that. Finally get to do, it'll be on the fantasy and it's a five night double dip. So that's kind of the one I'm really looking forward to. That's hoping it should happen. I'm hoping... More of your cruises start to happen than not, Chris. These cancellation emails are getting a little bit... I'm at the point where I don't even click on them anymore. It's just like, okay, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, as always, it's so much fun to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your experiences, sailing concierge and in suites. Just thank you so much for coming on and being a guest again. No problem. I appreciate having me on. It's always fun to record with you guys. As always, it is great to catch up with Chris. He has such an interesting experience with the higher end pieces of Disney Cruise Line and his park experiences too. Chris is a frequent VIP tour user. And so I, I always love to live vicariously through Chris. As we said on the last episode and probably hinted at on this episode, I don't know that I can justify the price of concierge for the way that we sail as a family, but I suspect we'll break down at some point and give concierge a try, especially in a Caribbean cruise where we can use it to get a cabana because we had a cabana on our first sailing and it was just a lot of fun. So anyway, I love that Chris came on, appreciate him coming on and hope you found some value in his perspective around concierge. With that, we did get a new five-star written Apple podcast review this week that I wanted to be sure to read on air. It comes from Sometimes Home, who I need to apologize to up front because I'm going to have to paraphrase the review a bit. It got a little lost in translation on the site, but Sometimes Home writes, DCL podcast for everyone. Sam and Brian are great podcasters with a main focus on DCL content. It's just enough fandom for a fellow Disney fan to relate without being too in-your-face or die-hard Disney-ish. Their editing and audio are excellent, they don't have unnecessary banter or tell inside jokes that make a listener feel left out, and their topics are always relevant and engaging. Their guests keep things interesting, too. I've been pleasantly surprised that when I open my podcast app, theirs has become a go-to listen for me. Well, thank you so much, Sometimes Home, for that review. It's great. We're glad to hear that we are a go-to podcast for you. We want to be everyone's go-to podcast for Disney Cruise Line if we can, uh, so we just appreciate the review. It really, really helps us out. I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews. They are super helpful in surfacing our podcast to people who might be looking for a DCL-related podcast like ours on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more 
more great content or join our DCL Duo Vlog and Podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded cruisers and DCL Duo fans like yourself. The DCL Duo Podcast and Vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.